Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, back from a long hiatus, as my daughter is now fully grown and tilling the back 40 so we can lay in sorghum during planting season. Also, John is here. We're reviewing Albedo, Platinum Catalyst, today for your enjoyment. It's an anthro, hard sci-fi, military sort of setting, and we have opinions. All that and a chicken recipe on today's System Mastery. Drop the top down, flip it, and revert. Wait, hang on, John. What is Missy Elliott's actual move? What is she tr- drops her, takes her top thang off, thang down, and she drops her thang down. Yeah. Oh, flips okay. it and reverses it. Oh, okay. So she drops her thang like like the garage door kind of like she just yes, yeah, she drops her garage door and then flips it and reverses it. I assume she does those second two in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you flip it in Photoshop exactly? Yeah, uh, Control T to put it into transform mode. Right click, flip horizontal. Well, I'm thinking flip like backwards. As in, you see the back of the thing. Oh, I guess you need a 3D vector art. Okay, fine. We're moving to Illustrator then. Okay, so, so you're going to have, have a, th- a full 3D view of your garage door. <laughs> yes, which which we will then drop down, so we'll have it go through that rotation. Well, it's Missy Elliott's garage door. Let's. Well, let's be fair here. Yeah. Uh, that's not a euphemism for anything. I'm talking about the actual... <laughs> I, got, I got to get Missy Elliott's garage door, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and by which I mean the door that blocks off the part of her house where she stores cars. It's so many cars. And, and I guess tools pro- and like you know other stuff that she doesn't use most Boxes of the year. Boxes for Christmas. <laughs> a kayak she's never used once. Something that says kitchen and then was crossed out and then it has a word beneath it. You can't read it. You're not quite sure what's in there, but it's under a bunch of other boxes, so you it, never bother. It says Pranty. It was probably supposed to be Pantry. <laughs> or maybe it's Panties? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. The important thing is Missy Elliott's garage door. <laughs> That's the important thing here. The important thing for System Mastery is to let you know all about <laughs> Missy Elliott's garage door. That's what we do here. Let's not lose sight of, what's, of what matters. Oh, no. We don't want to digress away from this. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice having me back, John. Is it's, this is it's so good to have you here and back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host John, and this is System Mastery, and we are going to review an old role-playing game for your pleasure. Yay! But really for our pleasure, because I love doing this. Oh yeah. Well, you know the books are ribbed, so it is for our pleasure. <laughs> we had to use a PDF. Did we use a ribbed PDF? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, that's one of the options you have for PDF. Technically, I own a copy of Albedo Platinum Catalyst, which, by the way, is the book we're reviewing. But uh, I have no idea where it is. I think it's probably in a diaper bag somewhere. It has definitely just gone into the ether somehow. It's gone. It's it's as good as I had six weeks to read the thing as I've been sitting around with it. I even accidentally so sorry. To to our $5 Patreon donors, I announced that this was the next book like a month and a half ago because I was planning to assign it to you and me, but you already had a plan to do a review with Yeah, I was already on top of shit. You you were doing things, and I was freaking out because I was like, is John doing things? I have no idea. I don't know if things are happening. And I'm like, yeah, of course you don't know if things are happening. You're like with a small baby. Yeah, so I was set up. So here it is for those of you who were super excited about this a month and a half ago, Albedo Platinum Catalyst. This Beto. The 20-year anniversary edition, no less. This game's been around. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so John, what would you say this is? What are we looking at here? <laughs> well, I'd say it's Just a book. Do the review for me. Would you? I'm, I'm out of practice. What would you? 
What would you say a review of this would sound like, huh? What if uh, I were to just read the back of the book and then say, I hope you had as much fun listening to my report on Albedo as I had making it. <laughs> and now my report on War of the Worlds. <laughs> Treasure Island is a book by Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> oh, Stevenson. Who, uh, and it's about this pirate on the cover. And look, at, look at this pirate. His name is either Long John Jim or Old Silver. Old I- <laughs> Silver, away! <laughs> so, okay, Albino Platinum Catalyst. As I mentioned in the intro, it's kind of a hard sci-fi thing where it's like jump drives and 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 rac- uh, spatial relativity and, and time dilation and shit like that when you're dealing with moving around. Uh, and not kind of so much the kind of Star Wars fun space fantasy adventure. Yeah, I mean, I would put this closer to a star trek in that it's i mean it's not quite hard sci-fi but it's definitely harder than a lot of your space fantasy i mean to be to be i guess where i'm pulling that impression from is that the book has like two to three pages of information on how jump drives work and how you have to like sit in a special chair when they're going off and how you have to like take pills and be ready for jumping uh Instead of, you know, what's the hyperdrive in a Star Wars game? It's a box you have on your ship that makes your ship go faster. It's it's the goes fast button that you press when you want to go fast. Yeah, so you have to know exactly what it is and how it operates and how rinky it is about braking all the time. Yeah, the uh, the information in this book, though, is probably more than you need. I mean, because it's a 20-year-old thing, mm-hmm. I would assume that they're just like, hey, guys, we have 20 years worth of the universe's information. So it's apparently based on a comic strip, like a really long-running comic strip. Uh, you can tell, not because the book tells you specifically. It's like, hey, based on the long-running, award-winning, successful Albedo Platinum <laughs> Catalyst. Based on the very long-running, successful comic strip, Garfield. <laughs> yes, it's all based on Garfield. Very unusual, the direction that they took it in. It's kind of like the Starfleet battles of the Garfield universe. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they take a hard well, left you see, on the Garfield uh, timeline. In 1971, Garfield wasn't doing especially well, so John Arbuckle had to sell the license. I'm sorry, Jim Davis had to sell the license. <laughs> nope. <laughs> John Arbuckle. Stick to it. <laughs> so John Arbuckle sold the licensing rights for a pittance to a small company in perpetuity with the dumbest contract ever. And then when the movies came out, the famous Garfield movies, they attempted to grab the rights back. But unfortunately, this little company already had them. And I'm just doing the story of how Starfleet battles exist. Yeah. It's a real piece of uh, of uh, RPG ephemera that no one cares about. Well, yeah. I mean, there was a point back in the 70s where... Uh, John Arbuckle is like, now where could my pipe be? And Garfield was like, it's in the jump drive. And then it just takes off from there. Yeah. And this is why Lyman disappeared. He's in another galaxy at this point. He flew away in a jump drive and never came back. Oh, yeah. And there's an entire planet of John boys. (laughs) And they're at war with the Arlenes of the Arlene Nebula. (laughs) Man, I really want this Garfield space RPG now. I like the idea that every character in Garfield is a, is now in like a whole species. Yeah, just a whole planet full of them. <laughs> We're in the normal nebula. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Turn I'm, off all the lights. I'm going to ship you to the Abu Dhabi black hole. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm trapped with that chained up dog that doesn't like Garfield. <laughs> all uh, right, back okay. to it. So, <laughs> what? That's so Albedo. Albedo is based on a long-running comic strip. Kathy. Yeah. Ack. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> no, it's based on the Albedo comic strip, which uh, neither John nor I had ever heard of. Nope. Uh, but it's the, all the art in the book is directly taken from it. So you can tell that it's Bad. one of those black and white 
anthro stories where all the, the ladies have like 80s Robotech hair and all the dudes are just ca- like animal heads. It's amazing how much you can tell a character that like the artist wanted to fuck versus a character that exists in this world because it's like, oh, what's this? It is a dog. It looks like a dog on hind legs wearing a pantsuit. And then you see some other person and it's like, what is this? It is a lovingly drawn picture of a very anthro mouse girl with like wavy hair and a curvy body. And you're like, oh, I get it. You didn't give a shit about this background character, but this character, you're like, yeah. It gets even weirder with the, with the art from this book because one of the things it tells us is, you know, it, most of the anthro races in this galaxy, first of all, they're all mammals and birds and nothing else, but he doesn't give one solitary fuck about the birds. Whoever the artist was, he's like, what, what, what does an anthro penguin look like? A penguin. Maybe there's a collar on it. Don't worry about it. Well, they even say in the book, they're like, oh, yeah, and birds... They're covered in feathers, so they don't generally feel the need to wear clothes. And I'm like, everyone's covered in something. Come on now. <laughs> I, for example, am covered in olive oil. Yeah, I, for example, am covered in the finest of hairs and oils. Why do I need to wear clothes? I have this olive oil. <laughs> I'm greased up and ready to go. <laughs> no, but like, so the birds that they have in the book are like, this is just a picture of an ostrich. Yeah. It's just an ostrich. How does it do anything? They, the only anthro thing about this ostrich is you gave it some nice eyelashes. It's got some come-hither eyelashes. And that is it. Yeah. But even better is the like sparrow above it, which is just a sparrow. Oh, yeah. Like, the most they did was the penguin's in, like, almost a spacesuit, and then there's, I think, like, a hawk that has a collar on. Yeah, it's like a bald eagle wearing, like, a dress collar. Like, it's going to go perform a wedding. Yeah, I'm like, all right, great. But then there's just a big naked ostrich, and then you cut to the next one, dogs. What are these? They look like dogmen in jumpsuits. Yeah, all the rest of them look like actual furry anthros, whereas birds are always just birds. Yeah, I didn't really want to use the word furry in this one because it doesn't really have that vibe to it. It's It, it predates kind of the internet furry movement by, by a significant amount. That's why I keep saying anthros. Well, uh, I mean, that's why I... You know, put the two apart because yeah, the birds fair. are just birds, whereas the rest of the animals are very furry looking. They are. They have that that style to them that we've come to accept as this is a furry piece of art from the internet. Yeah, where everyone's got a wide muzzle and big cartoon eyes. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, okay. The basic premise of this universe is that about 250 years ago, in game time, on one planet in all of the galaxy, uh, some mouse working in a field suddenly achieved sentience. And he looked around him and he realized, holy shit, I work at a farm. There's already a farm here and a bunch of people working at it. And there's like colleges and stuff. And But but all over the planet, everyone is suddenly going, holy shit, we're sentient. Yeah. Like up until that, they had just been kind of going through the motions. See, the, I mean, the story is like some kid asks his dad like, oh, it, it's winter. And he's like, is this going to be forever? And he's like, no, son, uh, it'll get better eventually. And then he goes, wait a minute, how do I know that? Wait a minute. How do I know anything? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, I can talk. I'm a talking animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell myself to CNN. <laughs> I'm going to go on Letterman. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but basically, for the first five minutes of, of reading in this book, it's like reading a rad idea for a Talking Heads video. I fucking loved the initial read on this, mm-hmm. because having a society that's like, what happened? Uh, animals basically woke up one day have an entire civilization around them, just like buildings and nonsense. There's an internet that's like, hi, I am the net. What would you like to know? Yeah. Like they have 
all of this weird information and everything just set for them, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And, like, how do you deal with that? The problem is, instead of that being the setting of, you know, it's been 20, 30 years and people are just, like, really trying to come to grips with the fact that they've just all of a sudden become sentient. Yeah, like, how do you deal with it if you're, for example, you wake up, go, I'm sentient, and you look down and you're sitting at a desk with, like, a, a moniker on it that says, you're the president of the planet. Like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> and then, instead of that, it's, like, 200 years later, and there's a shit ton of dumb, yeah. well, it's too dumb, it's just very dry history. Well, okay, so 250 years later, all of the animals now work for, like, space militaries, like, one big space military, basically, and they do all the boring parts that were the background characters in a Robotech show. <laughs> like, no one gets to fly the cool Robotech uh, space fighters. Instead, it's just a bunch of, like, ship crewmen who are just hanging around, like, like uh, hello, I work on the ship. My job is to press a button. <laughs> just one button, though. I, I am it's a very context Jetson of this entire military operation it's a very contact sensitive button i have to press it in various heights and degrees it's uh it's tonal <laughs> it's like the pad on a ps4 <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's such a cool idea like this premise of, of sentience suddenly dawning on people who had apparently already like ever like a, a benevolent creator laid down all the cool parts and then flipped a switch that turned all these all their brains on all, all at once just to see what would happen. Yeah. And he, this benevolent creator even went ahead and created a whole empty-ass universe for them to go out and populate. Well, yeah, they were like, oh, we, of course, the first thing that they thought about was like, all right, obviously because all of this, you know, infrastructure is already here, someone set this here for us. So mm -hmm. there was a creator that made us. That ha yeah. And they look around the universe and they're like, oh, there is a way higher density of uh, planets that you could ostensibly go colonize than should be. So they definitely picked this in mind. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, the animals kind of follow suit because they just immediately start working on science technology or, or uh, like space technology. Within 250 years, they have warp drives. Oh, within 50 years, they yeah. have jump drives. And yeah. I'm like, man, to go from I have just gained sentience to I can go faster than light in 50 years is... That's really something. I mean, to be fair, there might be whole books in their universities and libraries about how to build jump drives. Oh, there is. It's on the net. Yeah. The net is like, hey, uh, how do you build a jump drive? And it's like, here you go. Here's the information for that. And so they set about the boring process of colonizing 50 friggin' star systems with boring names that don't make any sense and five planets on each one, each of which has some boring things to list about it. I can't stress this enough. This book's rules don't start until page 72 or so. And up until page 72 is the driest collection of boring-ass lists you have ever encountered. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least there is a little bit of interesting history as far as the weird racist rabbits. Yeah, there's okay, so there's a couple of bits of interesting anthropology where rabbits apparently decided that they are the superior species and went off to go settle like their own star system with blackjack and hookers. Yeah, the I mean, the book makes a point of being like, yeah, every species normally has, like, pride in what they are, but in the same way that you would be like, I root for the home team. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course I like being a bear. Other bears are great. It's a good time. Okay, but do you think you're the best? I don't know, maybe. It doesn't matter. I just like them. There is a section on uh, interspecies romance. It's really short. Anything in this book that's about romance is really short, because get, you get the impression that the, art, the artist of the comic strip treats it with tweezers. Huh. Uh, it's basically interspecies romance is fine. The 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 offspring are always of one of the two species. There you go. 
Yeah. That's how it usually works in these for some reason. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you can mate with whoever you want. You just get a whatever. I think it's because otherwise you have you go down into a one va- vaguely furry animal melange pretty much within a couple of generations. Well, at that point, you're like, all right, we're going to have, if either nobody does interspecies relationships because then we just don't have children anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you look at it and you're like, all right. Uh, so we do have people that have the interspecies relationship. The only way we have kids is when we're with our own, though. So at some point, there's going to be like a govern- government-mandated thing where they're like, hey, you've got to... <laughs> You got to get with someone of your own kind. Well, they're actually and then that, that goes down a weird. Notably, like, it's mentioned on the rabbit planet. Like uh, the the major rabbit planet has a no marriage between rabbits and non rabbits. Oh yeah. So they they the author thought about it, but he thought about it in very clinical terms. Yes, that is a lot of this. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of I love math in this book. <laughs> I love math. Woo! I, I love lists. I love long lists. Notably, the the core planet, the the central planet on which all life, all intelligent life started and then spread out into the world, uh, is, gets to name itself, and they name themselves Eris Charka the th- the third or Eris Charka three. That's the name of the planet. Why? Because it's in the Eris Charka system. This is like us calling our our own planet Sol three. Yeah, we don't do that because. No one develops their brain in that model, where they're like, I, you know what? Heliocentrism, that's the shit. Let's start there. Well, I mean, that depends, because if we gained a sentience one day, and the internet was already here, and it went, hey, you're on the third planet yeah. from Sol, you'd be like, well, I, I guess then we're on Sol 3. Eh? I, yeah, I guess that's that's fair enough. But no pla- or some of the planets out in the, the galaxy and the other star systems get regional fun names, but the Eris Charka system is Eris Charka 1 through 5. Yep. Well, the rest of them end up being like, what are you? I'm Barrel Floffa, and I'm Barrel Floffa 4, and, but we call it whatever. One of the, like Chickle I was saying, Hickamuck. the big list of, of lists and, na- and names in this book really gives you the impression that the author loved organization and, and uh, categorization, but had no time to come up with names that you would remember. The, the fucking list of names in this, because the whole background is, yeah, they gained sentience one day, they didn't have a concept of names from anything, so they just picked noises that they thought sounded good, and they're like, that's me now. That's my name now, yeah. But the names of the planetary systems are basically a great way to get you the... Because uh, this is where you start. The very first thing you do in this book is, all right, here's the history, uh, and then eventually the rabbits go off and they form a couple of star systems of their own. And then, let's get into the list of star systems you can go to or come from. You've got Danit, Dornthant. I'm not going to do all these. I'm just going to do a, fun, a few of them and have ridiculous names. Uh, Dilbion, Ekosiak, Kowatina, Tun, Och, Echak. Yeah. The ones that do the multiple names, like there's some badger in this that has some ridiculous name. I oh, can't he lives in the it. he lives in the Endley system, John. I knew you'd want to talk about him. Of course I would. Yeah, he lives in the Endley star system, which is the home to the Enchawa group, which is the yep. rich corporation people. Yeah, because you have basically like... Several different groups. You've got the main cluster of planets, which are your the core fed, your your core federation, your standard sort of Starfleetish thing. You've got corporation space. You've got weird war Nazi space. That's the rabbits. Yeah, they're kind of a weird mix between Nazi and communist. They call themselves the I, the uh, 
The LKR or something the like that? The International look- Lapine Republic. Yeah, okay, or, there you go. ILR. Intergalactic. Intergalactic Lapine Republic. The ILR. Yeah. I was trying, I was going to say IKR, but I'm pretty sure that's the International Cl- or the Intergalactic Klingon Republic. <laughs> they're the IHOP, which is... Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, they've changed recently, John. I'm sorry. They're the IHOBE. Yeah, they're the IHOP now because they are the one restaurant that admitted defeat in the face of making pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Pancakes were too hard for them. Sorry, can't do pancakes anymore. The one thing that even I can do. <laughs> I like that that's not even an original idea. That's not the first time a company has flipped its logo upside down and tried to sell it again. Yeah. Because that's what fucking DNL was. Exactly. Good that, old DNL. That's 7-Up with the down low. Yeah, it was 7-Up that tasted like Mountain Dew, and it was called DNL. It's a high-caffeine 7-Up. It was nasty. <laughs> nasty as fuck. Also, I don't think anyone cared that their logo, when flipped upside down, looks like the letters D and capital L. Nope. So no one wanted to buy that. Nope. Unfortunately, that didn't happen before. Or happen after the "Make Seven Up Yours" campaign. <laughs> that would I think would have saved it. Oh, uh, "Make Seven Up Yours" was amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's on the Endly system and the Badger's name because I know you wanted this is Amhast and Thurka and Enchawa. Yay! I love the dumb fucking shit that comes out of this. Okay, here's two more planet systems, just star systems. I wanted to tell you the names of one of them is the second star system populated by rabbits. The first one is Balianian. Yep. Uh, which is fun to say. The second one is Which, no. No, you're not allowed to name things that. You can't name a whole star system after clearing your throat. Yeah. I mean, some of the the weird names in here, I was like, sure, some animal may, can make that noise and be like, oh, that's a fun thing. But for some of them, like, I'm like, no. No, that's that's some Klingon shit. No rabbit was like, oh, that's the noise I made and liked. You also got Kanahatzatza, which is a wild star system that just has, like, uh, asteroid chunks left in it. Yeah. Kanahatzatza. Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Yeah. The name of the I planet. go to the Hachachacha system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, but there's... The reason that we're, we're sticking in on this so much is because one of the things I do when I realize a book is just going to be a long, dry list of things is I will flip ahead to see how many pages of that there is. There are 14 pages of just star systems in this, and here's how they work. They'll be like... The Challenger system. The Challenger system sells delicious pies. I'm sorry, that was a Mary Calendar joke. I'll move on. Uh, the, ch- <laughs> the, 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 the John's dead angry look uh, at me. The Challenger. The, the Challenger Chal- <laughs> system is <laughs> exploded in 1986. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll do it for real now. The Challenger system uh, was the first major star system to be settled by people after they left the Aris Charka system. Yeah. Uh, so. It's well populated, and there's one very good world there. Anyway, here's a list of planets. Planet one, Challenger one, a hot little hot stone planet that is way too close to the sun for habitation, has one rocky moon and one resource station. Charka two, I'm sorry, Challenger two. This planet is a gas shrouded planet with one moon and two resource stations. Yeah, the amount of let me just list off the planets that are pointless mm-hmm. is a lot. Yeah. No, it's like trying to say, oh, you know, Mass Effect 2, when you can go all the way around the planet and just click on everything and probe all the planets to, like, waste all your time. Yeah. If you want to. It's like saying, hey, this is a role-playing game now. What's going on on this planet? Nothing. Uh, There is nothing here. Oh, if you send a probe, maybe you'll get some platinum. I don't know. (laughs) So, maybe you'll find a little tiny base that's guarded by some criminal dudes. (laughs) Oh, no, criminal dudes. (laughs) So it goes on like that for about 14 pages of just listing these endless boring star systems. And then that's finally over, and we can move on to the next thing, which is military organization breakdowns. 
Man, they, I mean, when you already have started reading this book Mm -hmm. and you're like, I know that this guy loves lists, he loves breaking things down into various categories, and as soon as the chapter on, now let me talk about the military happens, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Because... Anyone who likes that shit is going to love military nonsense. Of course. They're going to love all that breakdown of of how many people there are in this type of thing and how many administrative staff. I have a quote in here I want to read. I just copied copied one paragraph down from one page out of 12 pages of how military breakdown works just to give you an idea of what it's like to try and read this. Oh, by the way, there are a few plants that also get names. For example, the uh, the planet Balianian, the... the, uh, the rabbit primary plant system. Uh, the Balianian 2, where everyone lives, is called Waskily. <laughs> uh, yeah, I-, I made that up. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, okay, push it forward. All right, here we go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought of a joke. I have a joke written Let down on my notes. Let me go back to 10 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> it's worth it. I don't want to do any editing. <laughs> hey, guys. We, uh, jokes. You know uh, rabbits? Uh, Waskily. Bugs, Bugs Buddy. <laughs> hey. Uh, rabbits, am I right? <laughs> They breed like themselves. Hey, I got tons of material on rabbits. <sighs> nope, that's all I got. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Wait, hang on, that's taters. I mean, you could do it to rabbits as well. I get, you probably a, shouldn't mash no, them, though. Don't, don't mash rabbits. <laughs> I mean, you boil them, stick them in a stew, that's fine. That's <laughs> rabbit stew, Ugh. that's fine. No, you still got to sear that meat first, or else you're just going to get white, albinized ma- rabbit meat. Ooh, in yeah. Ugh. You boil that rabbit, Hard and pass. then you put that in a stew, and then you get that lump of rubbery rabbit meat. All right, so this is... Rabbit! <laughs> I hates that rabbit. I literally, the, the joke I was writing down, I had to message you about the other day, and I just breezed past it to talk about something else, where I remember when I messaged you, and I was like, hey, what job do you think Yosemite Sam actually would have like <laughs> if he had to fill out if he had to fill out a census form what would he write down that he is and you know I rightly came to the conclusion that he is some sort of bandit he's either a bandit or an outlaw yeah or... he's, he is some sort of cowboy land criminal could he be a rustler <laughs> he is I mean I've never seen him rustle anything like he's not a horse thief or anything that's true he never steals cattle he pretty much just hates rabbits yeah he he has guns and he will intimidates travel. people He's definitely the the sort of outlaw gangster type from the Old West. Yeah, he's like a scofflaw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is scofflaw, attorney at law. <laughs> That's him. But then I then I wrote down our final answer, which was outlaw, and now I have breezed past it and wasted that joke and time for everybody. Good. This is my first time trying to actually take notes in forever, because I figured that my memory would not work for this show anymore with the baby. Yeah, the baby has been slowly draining your essence and your mind. Apparently there's an actual, like, you know, people talk about mom brain, like how your hormones shift when you're a mom so that you're, you're, uh, you, you feel like you're having a harder time fitting into society, but you're very good at raising babies now. Uh-huh. Apparently dad brain is a real thing, too. Yeah. You start wanting to have sneakers and mow the lawn and tell bad jokes. <laughs> hey, John, if you were a vegetable, you'd be a cucumber. <laughs> that's not a dad joke. That's a pickup line. <laughs> Hey John, did you know that I can I can cut through beams of lumber by just looking at them? Uh, I saw it with my own eyes. Hey, there we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, dad jokes, and I didn't even know that one before. They're just popping into my head, <laughs> just just manifesting wholesale in my brain, unbidden, and I have to give them to people. 
Uh, okay, so here's that one quote I want to tell you, just from this, because it's just, oh, what's going on on the ground military? The ground military is organized into 116 platoons, and each platoon has a battalion commander in each. So here's just one quote, one yep. one chapter. Mm. In addition to the component platoon and company-level admin groups, a battalion admin group has 14 extra staff members who provide specialized services to the troops. A battalion admin group adds an administrative coordinator, morale officer, battalion doctor, robotic specialist, C&C coordinator, motor pool director, and nine general duty staff who are usually busy with laundry or assisting the platoon quartermasters. That same paragraph appears about 16 more times throughout the course of this chapter, rewritten to be about various sizes and branches of military-type organizational admin staff structures. Yeah, it... I mean, the the book is very much like, yeah, the rest of the... get Like, military isn't a big thing. Like, the whole point of the history of this is the rabbits at one point attack mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, we need to expand the fatherland. I mean, the rabbit land, whatever. Mm -hmm. The hutch. And the hutch must grow. <laughs> the hutch? Yeah, that's where they keep pet rabbits the in the hutch. hutch. <laughs> Do not feed the hutch. <laughs> no, I guess you could also say Warren. That's where they live in nature. Yeah. Or but they, they start like going out and conquering planets, and it's the first time anyone has been violent. Mm -hmm. And so the entire galaxy is like, what? Holy crap, guns? And so... Rabbit you know, has entered the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to all like scramble to be like, uh, weapons, shit, how do we do this? Uh, internet, how do we make weapons? By the way, everyone has own, their own personal internet that follows them around all the time. Yeah, well, it's just the net, but everyone has access to it. Yeah, you all, everyone has a little device with which they can access a friendly, calm internet. It's kind of like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, except it isn't funny or interesting. Except it's also watching you at all times, oh, yeah, judging it's all, you. It's very big brothery to the point where it actually has a rank score that determines your rank in society. Yeah. And if it thinks you're acting, asking too many stupid questions of the web, it will slowly move you towards an insane asylum. <laughs> it's like, uh, you're you keep asking about uh, delivery pizza and the best bathrobe. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume you're depressed and send you to psychiatric care. <laughs> Internet. Oh, hi, John. Let me go ahead and boot up Princess Bride for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the uh, so the galaxy isn't actually a lot of military. Most of the people. In the world, if you were violent, they'd be like, oh, that's that's a weird thing, and the internet is going to come make you go to, like, an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. But the rabbits don't even have this stupid internet. They ain't got time for that nonsense. They have their own rabbit-driven internet <laughs> with blackjack and hookers. So the the fact that this is entirely centered around the military means that all of your characters are sort of weird outliers in yes. this universe? Yeah. And it is entirely centered around the military. You can only play as military. You can't even play as a member of that big corporation. No, they have information for like, oh, here's mining planets and here's corporation planets and, and here's farming planets. And there's a ton of scientific research on all these little stations all over the galaxy, but you can't play as scientists. It's all military. Yeah, you have to be a military dude. And, you know, you could be in like the R&D branch of the military, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's a couple different ways to get into R&D or engineering. You don't have to be a gunsman. But you do definitely have to be a military person. Yeah. So, uh, but here's the problem. It's dry. When there's two whole pages given over to, like, rank lists and, like, what their, what their insignia look like. Oh, there is, there is a lot of flip-through content in mm -hmm. this book where you're like, oh, what is this? Ten pages of telling me about what a certain rank does? All right, great. What is it? 
well, they have these many staff members. And I'm like, nope, don't care. Here we go. So after that, there are another 10 pages that are given over to a three-part breakdown of how political structures work. It is system agnostic. Uh, so if you wanted to know, for example, what like, uh, I-, I don't know, the economic or political types of power that can, that can run various governments, like, uh, oh, how does, a, how does a fascist government work? Yeah, well, the fact that they break down, they're like, here's a half page each for like, what is capitalism? What is socialism? And then they're broken down in three ways. Economic structure, political structure, and then a third one that they call franchise model, which is the method by which power is handed down. Uh huh. So if you wanted to read about the difference between geritocracies, meritocracies, uh, you know, like the British... Uh, monarchic, but also uh, I forget what their specific type is. Where, where they also, where it's also a capitalist system. It's it's just this long, boring. It's like, hey, did you want some first year poli sci information? Here you go. Here it is. Does it have anything to do with this book? No. In fact, this whole section doesn't mention animals. The weird thing is, so much of this, because you are forced to play mm-hmm. military, you're like, man. I get, like, you should probably have this in, like, the DM section for a lot of the in-depth stuff. Like, knowing that the core worlds are, like, they view things a certain way, and then the inner worlds are a different bit, and the outer worlds are like this, and, you know, having a generic overview of what the universe is like is fine. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Like, knowing that, yeah, there's, you know, corporate worlds or farm worlds or whatever, and, you know, you might have grown up on one of these. That's great. But I don't need to know a lot of the stuff they present in the first 70 pages. It, it's really more like the book was written for the general interest of the people who were huge fans of the comic and not so much written for people who wanted a fun role-playing game. Yeah, well, I mean, I've brought this up anytime we do a licensed game thing. There's it's a, a balance. Point, well, yeah. there's a point where you're like, I have to include all the information I can or else the fans who get this, which is who we're aiming at anyway, are going to go, oh, but you forgot whatever. I and mean, that's an important part to me. Based on this comic book, how do, or, or based on this book, how exciting do you think this comic strip is to read? Uh, I assume it is the day-to-day life of some random person in the defense force, mm-hmm. and it's just them being like, Oh, I sure do love being an administrator or whatever. I mean, based on the art from the book, we assume it's a cat with Minmay hair who spends most of her time getting dressed and undressed and talking about how there might be a party later. <laughs> there might be a party later. But I have to assume that an individual, like one chunk of this comic strip, has to be completely impenetrable because it's all based on stuff that's been happening for 20 years. It'd be like trying to read Mega Tokyo from the middle. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I were to just go like, hey, let me randomly jump into the middle of Albedo, I'd be like, what? Yeah, be like saying, hey, let's just try and get caught up with ElfQuest. What's going on in ElfQuest? <laughs> hey, guys, I'm sure whatever's happening right now will be absolutely clear and obvious. Page 263 of Love and Rockets? I'm sure this will make exactly as much sense as page one. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other long-running comics. I mean, what if it was just based on those comics that are in the comics that don't make any fucking sense? Mary uh, Worth. One page of Judge Parker. <laughs> What's going on? What's happening here at the Mark Trail Ranch? <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> I feel like I would be an easier time of things at certain s- ones of those. Like, I feel like Mark Trail, I could probably jump into and not care too much. Mark Trail's not that complicated, because the story is the same story over and over again. Yeah. Mark Trail is hanging around in his log cabin with his wife, Cherry, and his terrifying son, Davey, or whatever. <laughs> <They're-> <laughs> 
His terrifying son. Oh, the pictures. He looks gross. He's he looks. He's got that same ve- weird, uncanny valley issue that like old draw, uh, paintings of cherubs do, where you could tell they just used a full grown, naked, muscular man as the model, but repainted him as a baby. <laughs> he's got that I'm an adult face. Ew. But basically, Mark Trail's hanging around with his wife, and then some scruffier looking men try to do a bad thing to nature, and he must go and set them straight with a good hard punching. <laughs> Then we get an interstitial strip, which is a backshot of the cabin as a nearby woodland animal frolics near it, and an explanation appears in a big sidebar about some minor fact about that animal. Yay. Did you know that deer are shitting fucking monsters? (laughs) Oh, man. That's terrifying. Why would they shit monsters? (laughs) So... Anyway, that's Mark Trail. But yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be hard to catch. Now, the, the Phantom, on the other hand, would be like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. Any one strip of the Phantom makes no goddamn sense. I mean, honestly, that's basically the Spider-Man strip. You start reading the Spider-Man strip from anywhere, and you're like, this is nonsense. Well, the, the Spider-Man strip, I, I read the Spider-Man strip on the regular. I read it daily because it's one of my favorite, it's one of my morning joys. Is to, is to log on and check out what's new in the Spider-Man universe, because the Peter Parker of comics, uh, of the newspaper, is the dumbest motherfucker in the world. It's so amazing to me. Every time I have randomly looked at a Spider-Man newspaper comic, I'm always like, the fuck like, is this? Like, no shit, John. This very morning, he decided to punch Iron Fist in the fist to see how iron his fist is. It's, that was this morning's Spider-Man comic. God, it's it's like they gave a, a baby without any sense of the world Spider-Man powers. My favorite thing is the filler strips that have nothing to do with anything and you're just pushing along. Like There was one when he was on his way to the hospital, where Iron Fist is, by the way, uh, where he takes a cab to get there, and the cab is complaining because, because Spider-Man did not give him a very good tip. I'm sorry, Peter Parker didn't give him a very good tip. And Peter's like, what? I'm sorry. And then he runs away. That's the end of the strip. Now, is that comic going to come back? Is it going to matter that Peter's a terrible tipper or that he pissed off one cab driver? No, they just needed something to do for a Tuesday. Yeah, they were like, look, we can't rush this story. (laughs) So, but yeah, I love newspaper Spider-Man. Good. Putting it out there. All right, so after all these long-running descriptions of how space works and how militaries work and we get get, uh, finally two character creation. Yeah. All the way up on page 72. And man... Character creation does have some interesting nonsense. It's fairly simple and straightforward. There's some interesting ideas in here. I like the creation process is uh, an interesting thing in that. So you pick your general species of whatever you are. So you're like, I'm, you know, canine, a bird or I'm a, a monotreme. Yeah. And it'll give you a slight breakdown. It'll be like, oh, birds. All right. Here's. You know, flightless birds, here's the, like, raptors. Yeah, ratites, raptors, and sparrows. And so, you know, you can pick from one of those, and all of them have the exact same points value between any given species. Mm -hmm. It's just if you have more points in your three stats, you have fewer points in skills. So there are three stats. The stats are body, clout, and drive. And that's pretty much your body, mind, and charisma. Charisma is a little weird in this game. Drive only exists for PCs. No one else has it. It really represents your ability to push yourself beyond the limit a little bit. Uh, So there are are special abilities you'll access that can be purchased with drive points. But uh, Because each one of these stats works in two ways. You have a static value, so you have a body of eight, 
If you have a body of eight, you also have eight body points, which can be spent to activate body skills or to boost body skills. Those recover as you take as you go to bed at night. Yeah, so be like, all right, I want to lift this, but uh, I'm going to spend a body point in order to be better at lifting. Yes. Just because it represents PCs being able to push themselves beyond whatever they can normally do. So the basic way to build a character is that there are four steps that you have to make choices on. Uh like, to get your, your numbers down. Because there's there's actually a 10-step process. But the core four are choose a species. So you go like, all right, my character is a horse. Uh, I will write down the starting horse, body, clout, and drive. I will also write down the plus one ranks in various skills that I will choose from. Or marks, excuse me. To plus one marks. Uh, so if a horse has, for example, running, uh, I don't know, disguise, equestrian, whatever, whatever skills. They have <laughs> equestrian? Yeah. And I have an answerian. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> dad jokes hey <laughs> so <laughs> someone bring my baby up in here let's tell her that <laughs> i gotta i gotta tell this baby dad jokes <laughs> she'll just look at me because that's what that baby is doing right now yeah she'll stick her tongue out a bit and make a noise <laughs> anyway <laughs> so they get a number of like marks in each skill uh then you choose your next thing which is your home world type yeah, uh, so you can be from, you know, a corporate planet, a uh, mining planet, Agrarian, whatever. urban. You can uh, have grown up in, like, a space station. Mm-hmm. Those give you, that. once those ranks are in, in the body, clout, and drive, that's the only time you're really going to touch them outside of the gift system, which will come way later. So instead, what you get from your, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you also get a gift when you're doing your species. So, for example, if you're playing a canine, your gifts will be things like loyalty, leadership, uh, tracking, stuff like that. They're, they're basically feats. Yeah, the it's all advantage system mm-hmm. there are they call them dubious gifts is there's, that what you're getting ready yeah, to talk about there's gifts and then there are dubious gifts mm-hmm. which give you some benefit but then also a penalty mm-hmm. and there's no reason to choose them there's because when you look at your like oh what gifts are available they give you like 15 choices mm-hmm. and you know maybe three or four of them are dubious gifts mm-hmm. But, like, you can spend XP to t- turn a dubious gift into a gift, so why would you even start with one? It's yeah, it's, it's just stupid. It's just a chance to take, I guess, what they would, in the charitably in the late 80s, would have called a role-playing choice. Would you like your character to suck? That's a fun role-playing choice. <laughs> That's a good move. <laughs> I'll try spinning. So, yeah, the... <laughs> The home world, you uh, you get some more skills and another gift, mm-hmm. and, and then you take a Myers Briggs test. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you jump right into a Myers Briggs test straight up. Although it's not an actual Myers Briggs test. In no, which you, you get answer. to pick. Yeah, you get to choose. It's like uh, the internet friendly version of a Myers Briggs test, where you just look up the one that you'd like to be and then say you are that in Facebook. I mean, honestly, the Myers Briggs test is the easiest fucking thing to go. Oh, what letters did I want? I can get those, no problem. Mm-hmm. It's almost as easy as figuring out how to beat the sorting hat. Oh, yeah. Which is to say, hey, put me in whatever house. Fuck you, I'm a Huffleclaw. <laughs> I want to be in three houses. I'm uh, a griff, Griffleclaw. And then it goes, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> and then you go into asshole house. You know what? Asshole house sounds rad as hell, though. <laughs> asshole house. I know. Mostly just conducting panty raids on those stuck-up Ravenclaws. <laughs> hell, yeah. I guarantee you most of the teachers are down with asshole house. <laughs> Well, uh, according to uh, Rowling, after the fact, uh, you know, Dumbledore was definitely down with the asshole house, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Oh, that was unpleasant and (laughs) unkind. Although, you know, screw Rowling for trying to score uh, gay credit points without actually making the character gay. Oh, yeah. 
Hey guys, let me just tell you all about all of these reasons that I'm actually progressive, even though I didn't put anything in my books about it. Yeah, ugh. I mean, I like that she's all progressive and what have you, and her tweets are qu- often quite amusing and fun to read, but still, if you want points for making Dumbledore gay, make Dumbledore gay. Yeah. All right, pushing forward, after you take the Myers-Briggs test, which, by the way, each one of the four letters gives you either plus one cloud or plus one drive, uh, depending on which thing you choose. Yeah, so, I mean, most of the species you pick, which gives you your baseline stats, uh, the clout and drive are fairly close on most of them. You're looking at, like, an eight and a six for most. Yeah, like a starting canine, for example, have, I believe has an eight seven seven in terms of body clout drive. So they're all very close. Some of them, like bears, might have a ten body starting, for example, oh, yeah. and only a six drive. Oh no, they'll they'll usually be like, "What are you? Oh, I've got like an eleven eight six, but I have two skills." Yes, exactly. So, uh, so basically, after you finish taking your Myers Briggs test and just writing it down, and then looking up a bunch of memes to post on Facebook about how you're a specific type of thing that so people have to be nice to you. Look, I'm an INFP, and that means I'm a healer. Okay. <laughs> I'm an introvert, so please read this comic strip about how I live in a bubble and how you have to be nice to me. <laughs> please be nice to my bubble me. <laughs> so, I know so many introverted people, and, and none of them are the kind of asshole that I would imagine writing that comic. Well, yeah, but that's the kind of person who's like, I just want people to like me for being introverted. Mm-hmm. It's the It's the same thing as the person who's like, Look, I'm a nice guy, and that's why people should like me. I'm like, you are the bare minimum of a human. <laughs> and you're not even actually a nice guy. No person who claims to be a nice guy is a nice guy. Yeah. Nice guys are always the guys who are like, hey, lady, you're looking pretty good on, on OkCupid. Okay I'm a nice fella. I'll treat you right. What? No response? Fucking bitch. Yeah. That's, that's a nice guy. Fucking peoples. <laughs> They're the worst. Ugh. That's why I'm an asshole house. <laughs> Asshole house! <laughs> You're on double secret probation. <laughs> uh, so that that gives you that. And then, then you choose you, your military branch. Yeah, you're going to be uh, the branch you are in and then, like, what subdivision it is. So you can be like, oh, I'm in, you know, the specific one that's, like, about being, a, like, paratrooper. Mm-hmm. But instead of just being paratrooper is one thing, there's, like, a whole four different support things for it yeah, as well. It, so... Uh, you'd be like, I'm in the urban, I'm in the infantry, and I am specifically an urban combat person in the infantry. And all it means is you get a list of skills and gifts, and you get all of them. So it'll be like, oh, as an urban infantry person, you get the following three gifts, and some gifts are literally just like a plus one to the following seven skills. Well, yeah, a lot of them are like, oh, if you are in the following group, like if you're an engineer, there's an engineering group mm-hmm. gift that's just. Here's a bunch of bonuses to engineering skills. Yeah. yeah, and it's plus one to each one of these skills for each time you take this gift. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. You also choose one gift automatically just for being alive. You get a free gift and ten ranks of skills that are called electives. Yep. Uh, then you have to build your followers because this is an interesting thing. In this book, uh, they mentioned that in order to keep the game feeling threatening without actually being particularly dangerous to your character, every character has four subordinate soldiers following them around all the time, and it's okay for them to die. It is probably the most interesting thing and the weirdest thing about this game Mm -hmm. is the fact that every single player is like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, a captain and I've got all of these subordinate soldiers underneath me. And all of them are loyal to me because that's how they start the game. But if one dies, he'll be replaced by a new soldier who might not feel the same. Yeah. So they all start out and you're like, okay, what do you have to start with? 
okay, they all like you to start with, so you have a decent rapport with them, mm-hmm. and then they can be like, oh, I'm super loyal, if they survive for three missions. Yeah, they, they pick up the ultra-loyalty stat. I forget what that's called. Yeah, and then... Devotion or something. You, if one of them dies, like you said, a new guy shows up, and he is just neutral to you, and it takes like nine missions for him to get to the point where he's like, yeah, all right, I like you. I like you. You've got moxie, Cap. <laughs> you also have a stat called your SPI, or I believe it is your, oh gosh, hang your on. Your social... Political intelligence? Political intelligence. Yeah, your social political intelligence. <laughs> uh, you, you calculate it by adding your clout and your drive and 10. Yeah, so... Most people have a fairly decent amount. You'll either you have know, 25 to 35 is the good starting range. Yeah. Uh, now, you can get bonuses to it. Some gifts, like leadership, for example, will be like, hey, you're good at leading people. Also, you get plus one to your SPI. And your SPI is a known value in the universe. Yeah, the net calculates it. Yeah. Because the, the net is always watching. Like, literally, you go up to a lamppost and you're like, hey, lamppost, you are connected to the net. Please tell me a thing. And it'll be like, okay, sure. Yeah. But it keeps a constant running tab on your SPI, and it will give you promotions or demotions as according as necessary, or medication, or route you into facilities or new jobs based entirely on your SPI. So that's that's not just a stat of the game, but it's a known stat in the world of the game as well. Yeah. Now, normally, no one really gets to see your SPI unless you're in the military, and then they have an actual review board that, like, will if something changes. They'll be like, hey, you know, this guy should probably be up for a promotion. He's got an, an SPI that's good. And your starting military rank in the game is entirely determined by your SPI. You go to that big page of, of uh, military rankings, and you find the SPI that matches yours, and then you give yourself the highest military rank that's below that number. Yeah, it is... Man, it is fucking dystopian. Because the whole thing is like, oh, if you don't want to have the net constantly looking at you and telling you, like... Uh, whether what you're doing is good or bad for society, and you avoid it, then it auto-lowers your SPI anyway, because avoiding the net is also a symptom of being bad at society. That is correct, yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's no seduction skill in this game, so don't worry about whether or not it passes the seduction test. There are 48 skills. There are 48 skills, which is on the bare edge of okay by you? There is. uh, That would normally be a little high for me, but... The book is actually fairly decent on this because there are 28 of the skills that everyone gets an automatic one rank in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it's, you know, running, climbing, driving, yeah, uh, you know, talking to someone, bribing someone, anything that you're like, oh, you could do that regardless. It gives you one automatic point. So everyone, regardless of what you got from your home world or your skill package from being a certain military branch, whatever, you get 28 free skill points to put into these 28 skills to Mm -hmm. start with, which makes it a little bit easier on me because then at least at that point you can go, all right, even if you are you know, not amazing at everything, you're at least semi-competent at most stuff. And the game does have a very structured model for how to do a skill with rote action. Like, you assume you're, you take your number of marks in the skill, add one to it, uh, as if you would roll to one, and then see if the number that results from that beats the skill. Uh, and most of the time it does, because a trivial skill costs like one or two. Um, actually, at this point, we might as well briefly talk about the mechanic of the game. There is some weird shit going on here. There's so, a couple different weird things, yeah. Based on your stat, you will have a different die that you will roll mm-hmm. from anywhere from a D4 up to a D12. Yes. And 
the thing you are trying to do is you it's a roll above a number and then and the numbers are small yeah so you'll roll whatever it happens to be let's mm-hmm. say like a d8 uh add your marks and then go ahead and do that yeah actually don't add your marks your marks are what tells you what size die to roll oh that's right yeah. it's so, not your yeah. your stats it's so, your skills so for example if you have running one if you have one rank in one mark in running then you have a d4 in running and if the, the DM says, okay, you guys have to run down a, a corridor to escape like a rolling ball or something, uh, it, because you're scared of balls, because everyone in this universe you're is just so scared of balls. Ultra boring, and we'll get to that in a second. But he's like, okay, it's a trivial run, so the difficulty is two. So you go, oh, okay, anyone who can run at all will automatically succeed at this, because they'll just take a D4, take the lowest value on it, which is a one, add that to the number of marks, which is one, get a two, and succeed at running. All right. But, for example, the, the example they use is uh, leadership roles to calm people down. And it's like, okay, people who are loyal to you, you can calm them down and reduce their panic with a two. If they are people who are in your military or on your side, like civilians, it's difficult, so it's like a six. If you are trying to calm down enemies so you can arrest them, that's a nine. Yeah. So the only way to get that is to say, like, all right, my leadership skill is at least a four, because that gives me a D10, so I can at least potentially roll a nine or higher. Yeah. Now, you can modify those skills. You can Each skill has an associated stat, either clout, drive, or body. Uh in each of which of those comes with points uh, yeah, that you can, you can spend. You can spend those to either up the die. So if I had, say, a D4 in something, mm-hmm. I could spend a point to up it to a D6. Or you can spend a drive point to add another D6. Uh, or you can add another of the die you are rolling and take the best. Yes. The yeah. only way to uh, get a basically critical success is to do that. Because if I, say, am trying to beat you know a 4... And I have a D6. So I'm like, all right, uh, I'm going to roll two dice, and hopefully one of them will get above a four. 75% chance. If both of them do, if I get you know two fives or a five and a six or whatever, oh, okay. then I crit and I have an outstanding success. Yes, exactly. Uh, which makes it fun to go ahead and showboat, which you can do in this game, by taking a super easy task, uh, pushing or risking on it, and then getting that, that super high chance to crit success. Yeah, so if you're like, look, I've got enough marks that I'm rolling a D12 anyway, mm-hmm. it's difficulty is three that I have to beat, I'm going to go ahead and risk on this just so I can do something really spectacularly well. Yeah, you can showboat on crits. Um, so the that's pr- The problem with this is they also have crit fumbles, which is anytime your dice all show one, mm-hmm. and that doesn't just mean if you've rolled more than one die. If you roll a one on one die, you automatically have a crit failure, so most of the time you'll want to roll two dice just so you don't get that. Yeah, or you'll only try to do activities that you could accomplish with your rote value, which is, one, again, one plus your number of marks. Because that's, that's the funny thing. If you roll a one, you crit fumble. If you assume you rolled a one, you don't crit fumble. Yeah. If you just go, look, I got five marks, I'm going to get a one on top of that, great, I've got a six, that beats most medium-level difficulties, that's fine. By the way, it doesn't matter how many marks you get above four, you can't raise your die type above a D12. Yeah, it's just going to help what your rote ability is, essentially. Yeah. Uh, So that's the basic uh, mechanic for just about everything in the game. There's an extraordinarily complicated combat mechanic because the game tries to be excessively modern. It does reveal some interesting things about the universe, though. Just one little factoid here. Uh, At the beginning of the section for melee combat, it says all melee attacks are assumed to be taken against 25% cover because the opponent is trying to defend themselves. Yeah. But it says at the beginning, the first sentence of it is... 
Because physical contact is uncomfortable and difficult for everyone in this universe, you can imagine that violent physical contact is extremely difficult and uncomfortable. Man, everyone in this universe is very particular, I'm going to say, because there are whole sections about, like, Oh, what's music like in the Albedo universe? Well, it's it's amazing because they invented warp drive in 50 years. Music, no one sings yet. No one has figured out singing. Or if they do, they don't want to. Oh, no. They, they'll do it. And there are even concerts. It's just, if you go to a concert, it's a bunch of people in a concert hall wearing headphones because people listening to the same music, like, as a shared experience is considered somehow taboo? Yes, so everyone listens to their own music. Music is an intensely personal experience, which, to be fair, I actually think is kind of a neat outgrowth of the whole web thing, because you've, been gro- you've grown up your whole life with an internet friend that tells you that gets you whatever you want, like on small levels, which means your music has always been a personal discussion with some robot, so why would you suddenly broaden out and expand it to talk about it with friends? It's, it's kind of a neat outgrowth, but the end result of a lot of the sections about what do people in this universe, how do they act, is that they're weird, just, they just sound boring and, un- and kind of unpleasant. It's like, okay, what are people in this universe? Well, they don't want to touch anyone, uh, they only listen to music in headphones, the best, the favorite pastime of people is conversation. Followed shortly thereafter by simple board games. They say, it's like, they don't like to go above... You know, like, like uh, not even Scrabble, but Upwards, the simpler version of Scrabble for babies. Yeah, look, not, none of them are doing worker placement or anything. No one's playing Power Grid or anything. Yeah, yeah, no one's playing Agricola, but if you want to play, like, Dice City or whatever it's called, that's fine. Yeah, that's okay, mm-hmm. sure. You can do that. <laughs> Some of the real nerds will play Catan. <laughs> they just got it. Oh, yeah. They're real obsessed with it. And they're like, hey, I'll trade you three sheep. And everyone's like, that's slavery. How dare you? <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, there's, the, it just makes the people in the universe sound this weird mix of boring and nebbish. And it just feels like everyone's very isolated from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think the book is trying to say this, but it feels so dystopian of that ever-present, ever-watching net that's constantly judging you. Everyone is, like, afraid to share their interests. Everyone doesn't want to touch anybody else. It's very, like, fiction by Asimov in terms of the, like, personal characters. Oh, yeah, but the net has decided that, like, conversation between people is good and that will help your SPI. So everyone's like, well, I guess my favorite pastime is having banal conversations so that my SPI goes up and I get a promotion. Hi there, John. Would you like to have a pleasant conversation? Of course I would. As someone that likes to be in society and is definitely a helpful member, I would like to talk to you about things. Have you had unpleasant physical contact with anyone recently? Of course not. That would lower my SPI. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it feels like with these people. I Her- only have sex with my wife through a hole in a sheet. <laughs> I have a robot to have sex with my wife for me. <laughs> I have the net have sex with my wife. <laughs> that's <laughs> that is I, that's just sort of the the. I mean, plus the game has an unhealthy obsession with schedules and military rankings, and it's just you, you get this sensation where you don't want to hang out with these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, the other thing with creating the character, by the way, the names, fucking the names for characters. Yeah, there's I'm- a giant list there's of like, like 80 names yeah because like we said before uh when they first gained sentience they just sort of came up with whatever sounds they liked there's a whole page on how to name your character 
Uh, the first thing it says is like, why are there names like this? Oh, because when they first gained sentience, no one had names. So they just sort of made syllables and were like, that's my name now. And then as they went to other planets, sometimes they would name themselves after virtues like charity or chastity or no touchiness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Isolation. Yeah. The, the charities of the, al- or, or the, uh, the virtues of the albedo universe. Yeah. <laughs> Constancy. Staying by your selfitude. Uh, but no, uh, having a nice, calm dinner in front of the television. <laughs> so, but then there's this list of like 80 names that they, that, he, that should be cut to 10. You just need enough to give an example. And then there's also, uh, I, I originally thought it was a sidebar when I went back and read it. No, it's just text. Don't name your character Paul or Stephanie. That will ruin the experience. Yeah, they're like, look, Albedo has a very weird naming convention. And if you break that convention, well, then you're going to ruin this whole game. If you name your character Rover... Then, oh, buddy. <laughs> now, John hates it when I read entire huge lists. So as such, here comes the entire huge list of names. Here's the entire list. No, but what I did do instead was I spent some time reading through every list name on the list, including a number of doubles, uh, and, and I organized my favorites of all of them into six fun categories, each of which only has like three entries. Good. So here we go. In the list of names, these are the ones that sound like something. I call this, this uh, whole category, I think so, brain, but... And now here's the names from that category. Things Pinky would say. R, Na, and Moosh. 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 Na. Na. R. <laughs> so that's one. Uh, there's also E-I-E-I, Great Cthulhu. Uh, there are three names on this list. They are My Shuffleoth. <laughs> well, that definitely killed a, an inspector somewhere. <laughs> Neosh and Pahoon. Yep, all right. <laughs> uh, there's only two names in the following list, John. This is Ask Your Doctor About. And these are Zophahak and Rihakthal. <laughs> Ask Your Doctor if Rihakthal is right for you. <laughs> Zophahak tablets should not be handled by pregnant mice. <laughs> <laughs> only mice, though. <laughs> uh, we also have, uh, sounds like a 10-year-old insult. Like an insult a 10-year-old would make up in a sound- sandbox. Uh, these include Gaeth. Uh, Husho and Darfidoy. I don't know. Husho kind of sounds like it would be like a brand of hush puppies you'd get. <laughs> Husho, brand hush puppies. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> but then again, thou art most gayeth, saith I. <laughs> yeah, 10 year old Thor. <laughs> and finally, and this is my favorite category, I worked real hard on this. These are, these just sound like tears of Pokemon. Okay. All right, there's a few more of these. The first one is. Pie guy, who, when exposed to the proper pie, turns into pie gar. Uh, I was really hoping he'd turn into pie gal. <laughs> so is pie guy. You've also got Tortic, who turns into Tortathok. Okay, I 100% have in, in my head what that Pokemon looks like right. and its evolution. It's a turtle man. Yeah. And the other one's a pie Pokemon, just like how there's that ice cream Pokemon. Uh, this isn't all that hard to do. Yeah. You've also got Dadogira, who evolves into Dadorath. <laughs> yeah, when he evolves into uh, Dado Wrath, he gets the uh, kiss the cook apron and a thing of tongs. He has to go out for cigarettes and come back. <laughs> if he does, he's a Dado Wrath. <laughs> and uh, I'll just say one more here, and that is Hulk Harda, okay. who evolves into Hulk Hoteth. <laughs> oh, Hulk Hoteth. That sounds like an Egyptian like pharaoh. That <laughs> Who's going to run wild a, on you? Oh, I was going to say who turns into a big green monster, but <laughs> sure, either way. <laughs> What you gonna do, ancient Egypt, when Hulk Hoteth runs wild on you with his 24-inch asps, brother? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
I'm glad to be of service. So this now is- I really want a new Brendan Fraser <laughs> the Mummy movie where Hulk Hoteth shows up. <laughs> well, first he has to Hulk Harda for a while. <laughs> Uh, well, just... first he has to Hulk hard, then Hulk Harda, <laughs> then Hulk hard with a vengeance. Some of these actually were triple-tiered Pokemon, but for the instant, it, it, uh, the importance of brevity, I left it down to two. But still, they, they all sound like Pokemon. You can really imagine them. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm fine with this. Moosh! <laughs> Moosh! <laughs> so, anyway, those are just some of the names. There are far too many. Uh, originally, there was even a category of, those are just names, dude, try again. Because there's names like Annie and Al- Ali and stuff in there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you if you like lot, long lists of names, the book has you covered, and then it gets into the whole thing about how how characters act in this world, where they don't like to do things or touch people or be around stuff, which is weird, given that the entire conceit of this is you constantly have four other people with you. <laughs> yeah, but you don't touch them. Well, no, they're just there to have polite conversation with. There's also a fun thing in the book when you're building your character where it talks about how hit point tracks would be too complicated to deal with for everybody all the time. So instead it introduces complicated wound threshold systems you have to deal with instead. Yeah. God, the wounding in combat is, it's fucking weird. There's, like, a certain number you have to hit in order to wound someone. Mm-hmm. And you have to beat their armor value. It's called their deflect value or something. So you have to you have to at least roll em- enough damage to exceed that number. Well, you... I mean, first, there's layered defenses in that... Yeah, there are two numbers. There's, there's, there's your... Defense uh, value, your flat defense value, and then the amount that you reduce damage by. Well, there's also, just to hit someone, there's layered defenses of... There's how much cover you have and how obscured you are, and the cover adds to your obscurity. So if I was like, oh, I've got like a waist level wall, Mm -hmm. then not only do I have, say, you know, 50% cover, but also because the wall is opaque, you can't see half of me, so I also have 50% concealment. (laughs) And the way it works is someone attacks you, and you get to roll both of the dice, because each level of concealment gives you a different die. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, oh, they roll whatever they're going to do to attack me, and I get to roll both my cover die and my concealment die, mm-hmm. and if either of them beat your attack, then you don't hit me. I mean, all this talk about obscure and covers makes me feel like you're describing some hipster band. That's that's all. Oh, oh we did covers. We did obscure covers. That's uh, the, this is uh, this Look, is we do obscure covers of the band obscure covers. <laughs> you've probably never heard of them. They're oh, pretty obscure. I'm sure you've never heard of the band the Polecats, but we do an amazing cover of "Make a Circuit with Me." <laughs> that's us obscure cover. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've probably never heard of the Polecats, the all Polecat band that exists here in Albedo. <laughs> oh. The problem, the reason you've never heard of them is no one shares music with each other. So. <laughs> Imagine being a band in this. You'd be like a single-purpose band. I mean, they even mentioned that the kind of music that exists, because no one really sings because there's not much profit in it, is like electronica music, and and, uh, that there is an experimental music genre subculture developing of people who make noise out of spaceships. Like they just bang on the bulkheads. It basically makes stomp. Oh, yeah. You're you're doing that, or you're doing like industrial music, stuff like that. But the reason is... Because music is considered such a personal thing, you don't have bands because then you'd have to listen to someone else playing music. No, so all the music's made by the web for you. So it's basically just Daft Punk makes all your music. Yeah, it's just one person goes, look, I am making all of my music because if 
there was someone that was like, oh, I'm a drummer and that guy's a guitarist. I have to listen to his guitar music, and that's weird and antisocial for some reason. It's Daft Punk, but they can't afford the guy who did the vocals. <laughs> See, <laughs> It's Daft Punk, but it's only one of them. It's just the first album. It's just that first album where there's just like beep-boop music and nothing else. Yeah, but you don't even have the, the two guys in Daft no, Punk. It's just it one, guy. one guy. It's just one guy with two robo-heads. <laughs> the double-headed robo-guy. <laughs> Uh, okay, after that, there's a big gear section, and if you guess that the gear section is unnecessarily fiddly because someone had an obsession with minor numbers, you sure are right. Oh, yeah. And, oh, of course, there's also, uh, the, has anyone ever had a good time reading how full automatic weapons work in any system ever? Man, there is an entire, like, very intricate subsystem to automatic and semi-automatic mm-hmm. where it's like where oh, you create it, suppression zones and oh yeah f- there's a suppression zone which helps if someone's got high concealment so if you're like oh they threw down a smoke bomb you can be like oh i do suppressing fire into the smoke cloud and it completely gets rid of conceal uh concealment mm-hmm. as a thing yeah so you're like, all right, I don't need to see you to just fill an area with bullets. But to create a suppression zone, you have to take an, a full automatic weapon and nominate a triangle of short range for the weapon on each side. So it's an equilateral triangle and a number of yards equivalent to the short range value of your weapon. Yep. And then enemies who enter it take awe damage, which is damage when happens when you see something real cute. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Aw, damage. No, it's it's AWE, and it's, it's basically your morale. Uh, awe damage is another thing that they added into this that... There's three kinds of damage. Well, there's... The odd damage is entirely based on uh, if you panic or not. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, your subordinates are pretty much going to be constantly panicked because you take awe if anyone, like, shoots you yes. at all. Even yeah. if you didn't get damaged. If you are shot... You're like, oh, crap. Well, it's, it's not the first game I've seen that does this. It is the first game we've reviewed that I've seen that does this, where they try to create a system for how suppressing fire can cause people to surrender without having to actually put bullets into meat, where it's like, oh, my God, there's so many AK-47s over there that I'm, I'm just going to put my hands up and surrender. It's trying to force that value. Um, the only other game I've seen that has it is Hook Sunt Dracones, so let's not... It's just all furry things. Yeah, it is. Uh, they, they love that stuff. And honestly, that was the things about Hux Sunt Dracones I didn't hate. So I'm, the only thing I really hated about that game was the fact that you had five stats for finances. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, the uh, so it's got a suppressing fire system. There are two other kinds of damage. Bullets going into your meat, the, the actual like physical damage, and clout damage... Which is when you take... Uh, you fucked up socially. Yeah, you have social embarrassment. Rant. And if you lose all your meat, then you go unconscious and maybe you die. If you lose all your social, then you are so mortifyingly embarrassed by a mistake you made that you might get drummed out of the military or at the very least get demoted. Oh, yeah. It's basically you have fucked up so bad socially that everyone around you is like, get this guy the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, it's when you fart out a series of machine gun plums. <laughs> machine gun plums. Man, I saw them open for obscure covers. <laughs> If I could remember any of the bands from the other episode we were doing that, I'd be super happy right now. <laughs> oh, Barometric Pleasure. Yeah. That's one. There you okay, go. yeah. The Omniphonic Spree. <laughs> there we go. They're all coming back. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, the, the combat system is super complicated. The damage system in particular. A gun will do, like, I do 8 plus 5 damage, where 8 is the base damage I do, and 5 is the penetration value. Uh, so, let's say I were to shoot John with a gun, and... and uh, my gun has a, a penetration value of 5, but a rating of 2. 
if I have a rating of two, that means that when I shoot John successfully, I roll 2d20. If either one of them exceeds his defense value, then it's a penetrating hit, and he will take that plus penet- five damage plus from- five damage for each instance of the d20s that are rolled over the that, that roll that are over the value of his armor. He takes an additional value uh, damage equal to the value of the, the uh, penetration system. So if it says five and I roll and his armor value is ten and I roll two elevens, he will take ten more damage. Two for the two for the five. Also, I'll take the highest roll of these do- those d20s and add that as well because why not? So now he's taking eight plus ten plus eleven for a total of uh, twenty nine damage. Yep, and if your armor value is greater than that, then you don't actually even take damage. No, because no penetration occurred. But normally your wound thresholds are things like, oh, your body times two. So Mm -hmm. if I've got a fairly low body stat, it's way easier to wound me. Oh, and the, the more wounded you are, the more penetration dice people get against you. Yeah, if you're not wounded, then you're usually just having a penetration die rolled against you. Maybe two rolled if they it? crit. What the Ro- fuck did I just say? Yeah, rolled it. Rolled it in fine country oats. Rolled, rolled it and smolded. <laughs> Covered in oatlets. <laughs> ah, oatlets. <laughs> I've got three oatlets in my room. I went down to the oatlet mall, and I picked up some groatlets. Man, that really just sounded Canadian. Well, I went down to the Outlet Mall. <laughs> it does sound like a mall you'd find in Canada. All right, so, uh, so yeah, the penetration system is basically the way that this game is a death spiral. Because the moment someone hits you once, now every time they hit you, they probably hit you way harder. Yeah, if you get a wound, you should probably just fuck off. Yeah, you don't want to stay in that combat no more. Uh, the game makes a big point about how it's your subordinate officers that are supposed to constantly and easily die and not you. But uh, if anyone gets a hit in on you, you're probably dead. Oh, well, at that point, you're like, I need to retreat. Because it's real hard to get, like, crippling or incapacitated wounds in one shot. Mm-hmm. But boy, as soon as you take a wound, you're like, okay, time's out. Yeah, Time's no, out, I gotta go. No, we're good. <laughs> Mom's so, calling me by. My mom said I can't get bullets in me. Stop, <laughs> guys. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I think most moms do say that. Yeah, don't get bullets in you. Yeah, stay out of bullets. Stay, stay out of those bullets. Hey, hey, Jimmy, get your hand out of that bullet jar. <laughs> All right, one last thing to talk about in the combat system. John, did you remember how initiative is determined in this game? Because it's kind of fun. Uh, well, either your side just goes first. Mm-hmm. The DM can just sort of decide, well, the game host mm-hmm. can just go, All right, this is what initiative is. You guys go first, and then you go first, then your subordinates go, because it's... Chain of command. <laughs> it's done by chain of command. So if it, like, let's say you're playing with four people in your party. That means you have to deal with the actions of 20 different people because you have four subordinates each. Yep. And then it's done by military rank. Yep. Or you can roll for it, but it doesn't want you to do that. No, it doesn't. Do, don't do that. Use military rank. You're like, eh, you could roll for this, but why would you do that when you could just do it by military You rank? didn't spend 50 years being a career officer to shoot last, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so that's a fun thing about the about the ranking system for initiative. There you go. Uh and then after that there's gear, which we talked about a little bit. There's armor, there's guns. What do you need to know? Yeah, it's just numbers. It yeah. is various numbers. Our PDF launched into another book right after that, which is yet more gear. Which I'm sure there's man. probably monsters in there somewhere so that you don't have to make characters for everything, but maybe you do. I don't know. Probably, because you're probably just fighting rabbits. <laughs> Stupid rabbits. I hate those rabbits. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. There is uh there's an Albedo. That's that's Albedo. Uh the game the game of hard sci-fi furry the game times. Game of hard cider. It's not it's as far as 
anthro games go, the anthro portion of it is pretty light. They even say socially most of these animals don't really do anything that has anything to do with their, their species. Oh, yeah, and most of them, they're like, oh, you know, maybe someone would normally have this ability as an animal, but because they have been turned into an anthro, they don't. Yeah. Like, like a platypus doesn't have poison spikes because fuck you, that he's just a platypus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, birds can fly in low enough gravity environments, though. Yeah, sure, why yeah. not? So there's a few of them. And then, of course, there's a whole planet of wolves called Aosta, where everything is clan-based, and they're getting into constant clan wars over who gets to be the most important Everyone's clan of playing wolves. Everyone's cl- playing clans. Clash of Clans. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, there's a constant fight going on for who is Alpha yeah. on the planet Aosta. Right. Great, because someone found some 1950s zoo science that has long since been dis- uh, disproved. Yep. Unless you're a weird men's rights weirdo on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and they've they've gone down a huge list of fascinating uh, Greek letters for who's the most important men's rights advocate. You've got alphas and betas, and then they go right at chads. I'm not sure. I'm, that's not a Greek letter. Alpha, I'm not sure. Betas, cucks, yeah, <laughs> fedoras. <laughs> it's a weird alphabet, John. Indeed, indeed. What would you say is your favorite thing about albedo? Uh, definitely, my favorite thing about this is going to be uh, the fact that you get four people mm-hmm. it, you get four four minions yeah it's very interesting i like the idea of it i know people have done this in like the uh the just war system which is the 40k you're playing is one of the imperial guard and you have like an entire group of guardsmen that you'll play right so you need a couple of chumpos so you can they, they can die on their four up saves yeah so if i they like, even have those i like the idea of it it's probably my favorite thing in here as far as being innovative goes mm-hmm uh, I mean, it's definitely going to slow combat down, but this game really feels like it doesn't want you to get into combat. For a game that's all about being in the military, it also feels very much like they're like, oh no, don't fight. Just don't do it. Well, I mean, a lot of it's about military administration and not necessarily about a mil- uh, military soldiering. Oh yeah, it, it's like, well, what do you do as part of the military? Oh, you're going to go do relief efforts on certain planets mm-hmm. or you'll like break up mining disputes. I work in the in the typing pool. Every day I wake up. And I've up. got four minions in the typing pool. Yeah. And, and it's my job to make sure that they stop gossiping about that bitch Cheryl. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cheryl, that ruins the game. Her name is Sure Chakathak. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at that point, you're basically just playing Mad Men? <laughs> yes. You're just playing Mad Men. Cheryl's got enormous Ted. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, there you go. So that's mine. What is your favorite thing? Uh, my favorite thing about this game is going to be the uh, this character creation system. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that was kind of simple. The, the way you take the four things and slap them together and you're more or less done. Uh, yeah, it's, there's it's no dice a, rolling. It's not a lot of weird, bad choices. Everything is very balanced. And the fact that your die rolls are based off of your skills means that mm-hmm. having higher stats at the expense of skills doesn't feel like a shitty trade no not at all no it it, it does seem like a, like a functional character creation system i'm not as big of a fan of the myers brig being stuck in the middle of it it's so weird that they're but, just like yeah here's myers briggs here you go enjoy that but uh anyway that's not really it, it still is my favorite part of the game is the character creation system is fairly simple all right uh what would you say is your least favorite thing uh my least favorite thing has it's probably got to be the wounding system like mm-hmm. in combat they're 
they take time out to say like, oh, tracking HP for, you know, five different people would be very complicated. Anyway, here's calculations for every single person's different wound threshold and rolling different D20s and different dice and two dice for defense and then three dice for offense. You're like, man, you talk about wanting to make things simple and then your entire structure is nonsense. Yeah, and at each step of all the damage calculations, you can spend your resource points that you have of different types and pools to reduce incoming things or change things. So it's just this huge, complicated system, which you have to track for five people because you control five people. And not only that, because of the way that like panic and morale works, like your subordinates only have morale as yeah. a thing they can spend. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, if one of your dudes panics, you have to run over to them and try and roll a rally roll for him so that he gets some morale and stops freaking out. Yeah. It's, it, there's Not only do you have to track five people at once, but four of them use a different system than you do for tracking. Yeah. So you have to know two systems. I mean, sure, it's a simplified version of the main system so that it's supposed to be easier to track them, but the end result is that you have to keep track of a whole bunch of different names in your head. Well, yeah, because it's basically, if they get wounded, then that's it, and if they get crippled, they're just out of the game. Yes. Yeah, they'll show up in another game for you as someone else with a new identity and personality. I mean, you can do, like, they have heal times, Mm -hmm. and heal times for main characters are basically twice as fast as those for your subordinates. But the subordinate heal time is like, oh, what were you, crippled? Uh, It's going to be four months before you're back, and then you're probably all fucked up. Yeah. There's also medical first aid roles, but I have to imagine they're tricky to pull off because no one wants you to touch them. Well, also because you have to have the doctor... Uh, gift. gift yeah in order to do anything yeah you do so there you go um so that's your least favorite thing is is the wounding the, system the damage type system is garbage what mm-hmm. is your least favorite thing i'm just gonna say the long boring lists <laughs> that's fine i mean the it, this is another example of a book that takes 75 pages to get to the fucking point yeah reverse that put the rules for how to play the game at yeah, the beginning just, just put that down flip it and reverse it yeah it just take just pull a missy elliott's garage door on the whole situation just take, <laughs> drop the top down, take all that crap about Challenger 4 or whatever, put it to the back of the book for the purists, and to the front of the book, put the shit for people who want to play your game. Yep. Because you're selling them a game. Yeah, I mean, again, ultimately the problem with any licensed game is they have to be like... They have to strike a balance between... Hey I'm- guys, it's this thing you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this thing that you've never heard of in our case, this long-running comic strip. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder if this comic strip has ever had like a viral moment, like a loss. <laughs> I very much doubt it. Maybe a gentle Lickba situation. <laughs> gentle Lickba. Do you seriously not know who the gentle Lickbas are? No. It's L I K P A, by the way. And uh, you go, you should go ahead and Google that on your phone as we're going out the door, so you can laugh at the tale of a bunch of Smurfs that are penises. Great. You're gonna yeah, it's great. They're Smurfs that are penises. Great. They come in two varieties. One of them has little dingle hoppers coming out of the head of the penis, like some little alien dingle hopper doodad head. Oh, yeah, you've got circumcised and uncircumcised. And, and then the other one just doesn't have any dingle hoppers. Yeah. And they they live in the, the gentle land of the peaceful boobettes, who are not boobs. They are not just big boobs. They are just big boobed women. Right. Yeah. It's a wonderful French comic strip with some terrible English translations that makes it good times. I think we've had this conversation on the air before, too. I don't know. The purists are going to tell us. I'm sure. Yep. When the System Mastery RPG is written, this is going to be on page two for some fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for listening, I guess. That was... Oh, would you play this game? Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, as much as I think it's it's a workable system, I feel like it's just too much effort to try and actually play a game of. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't like the setting. It is very dystopian to me. <laughs> 
So would you play Alvedo? Would I play as five boring mice who don't like music or touching each other? No, I would hate that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. They, they, they've managed to create a universe where you can create an infinite variety of boring, stolid weirdos. Yay. So, no. No, thank you. Oh. So, there you go. That's the game. That's Albedo Platinum Catalyst. There you go. And, of course, if you like this, if you want to hear bonus content that's more of this, where we create five goddamn characters in this system. Each. Then uh, you can... Go ahead and join us on patreon.com slash system mastery. You uh, support us at a dollar or more, and you get access to that sweet, sweet, hot bonus content. We've been making bonus content for 75 or more episodes at this years. point. 75 or 75 more 75 years. years. I am dead. <laughs> I have been dead. This is the ghost cast. Mm-hmm. And John, of course, is still alive. He's Carl Reiner. We just never got around to mentioning it. <laughs> no one knew. <laughs> So uh, anyway, yeah, 75 or more bonus content episodes floating around on that in that Patreon for you to go back and peruse if you haven't already joined us. And why wouldn't you want to? It's only a dollar an episode. You get all kinds of bonus content. For $2, you get even more bonus content, but you can figure that out from an Expounded Universe episode. Yes, indeedy. And of so, course, uh, you can find all of our stuff at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. All of our content goes up on there. And uh, you can find us, social media-wise, we're on Facebook and Twitter as System Mastery, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you can also uh, email us, systemmastery at Gmail, if you got any sort of complaints or questions. We might answer you, but probably we'll just tell you to go fuck yourself. Because we're terrible people, we're assholes, and uh, we love it. We do. And also, we're going to be at Gen Con this coming August. Gene Cone. So if you're going to be at Gen Con, you can come and see us. We had a couple of games that we posted for people to play in that we will DM. Uh, those have sold out or been rejected by Gen Con for reasons we still can't quite fathom. <laughs> uh, but we do actually have a live show coming up in August at Gen Con. Uh, it will be, let's see here if I can get this right. Well, we're going to be reviewing Shadowrun. T- yeah. It says here that it'll be a Thursday at 3 p.m. at Gen Con. We're going to be reviewing the game Shadowrun 5th Edition. I don't know why we're doing a new game. Our, our network asked us to. Yeah, um, well, you with know. A, with one of the hosts of the Neoscom podcast, one Gannon Reedy. And uh, if you want to be in a live audience and watch us just banter and dick around with each other and probably ignore our guest hosts so that we can make more stupid in-jokes, <laughs> then by God... I feel sorry for Gannon. They have no idea who we are. They have no idea what's about to happen to them. It's going to be a fun time. They're stepping into the fucking lion's den. It's going to be a great time for everyone, uh, and there are still a few tickets available for that, and they're cheap. They're like four bucks, so by all means, stop by and check out that live show Thursday at 2 o'clock at Gen Con. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you can find at the Gen Con uh, story or, or uh, system finder. It's called System Mastery Live. There you are. That's simple. Yep. So there you have it. So support us on Patreon. Please, please do, because these days you're not just supporting John and I's self-destructive, wasteful Little Caesars lifestyles, but <laughs> but also a two-month-old baby who, who by all rights... Who has also a wasteful Little Caesars lifestyle. But by all rights is actually cute instead of gross-looking. The Little Caesar titties. <laughs> Don't talk about my little girl's titties. <laughs> Get out of here with that. No, I'm saying that's what she's getting for food. The new Little Caesars hot and ready titties. Now my my wonderful girlfriend will 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 partake of no Little Caesars. She's <laughs> she's been very dedicated to getting only the finest things into her breast milk. Yeah, yeah. So please support us. Support my baby. Support John's walrus. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great week. 
Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we review old RPGs, 1D6, dead horses at a time. Leave me alone. I haven't done this in a while. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host John, and today we are going to review... Ah, he messed me up by doing a funny thing with his face. I hate him. I hate John. (laughs) I quit. I quit this show 1,000 times. 